If you would turn with me this morning to the Gospel of John, chapter 1, please. My text to be found in verses 6 and 7. John, chapter 1, verse 6. John 1, verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through Him might believe. I've attended this church, Bible Baptist Church, for 28 years now. It's hard to get my mind around sometimes. It'd be 34 years except for the six years that Teresa and I lived in Texas. I was thinking this morning our daughter Amanda has attended here most of her life, uh, 34 years. She was just right at a year and a half old when we moved here. And now she has a 10-year-old daughter, 8-year-old son, and a 5-year-old daughter. Uh, several of you were here at the end of 1989 when Teresa, myself, and our children started attending here. And we moved to Madisonville to attend this church. Some of those who were here then have departed. They've departed unto glory to be with Christ. Others have left for other reasons, and some have started attending here since then. The first 18 years uh, after we moved here, we sat under a faithful pastor who preached Christ and Him crucified. I'll always be grateful for that. I learned more of my Lord and Savior during that time than at any other time in my life. And the last 10 years, many of you have sat here under me as your pastor, and I've endeavored to follow His example and do the same thing. Be faithful also to the message of Christ and Him crucified. There's one couple here... uh, who attended the church in New Caney, Texas, where I pastored for almost six years, that now attend here. And I said all that to say this. I want each and every one of you, uh, those of you here from the beginning and those of you that are here now, to know and to hear this straight from my lips. I take the preaching of Christ and Him crucified very seriously. Preaching's not my hobby. Preaching, pastoring is not something that I'm doing after retirement. And it's certainly not a part-time job. God, by His mercy and grace, has providentially seen to it that preaching, preaching and pastoring is my life. That is the case with all true preachers. That's the case with all pastors of the Gospel. I personally know several preachers, and you know them too, and I can say without any hesitation or any reservation that this is their life. It was the same with Brother Montgomery for over 40 years, and it's been with me for 16 years, the last 10 being here. And I want you to know that I consider this a gift of God. 
It's a, it's a gift of His shepherds, His pastors from God. And the pastor is a gift of God's church, His people. Whoever and wherever they are. With Paul, every true preacher of the Gospel says, but though I preach the Gospel, I have nothing to glory of for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the Gospel. Now that word necessity there does not mean livelihood. Referring to their jobs, men often say, my livelihood depends upon having this job. Meaning this job is a necessity a necessity to provide for me and my family. Paul's not referring to the necessity of making a living. He's talking about the necessity. He's talking about an obligation to the divine work of, by which he was called. A responsibility that was given to him for the good of immortal souls and the honor of Jesus Christ. And it's a heavy weight of duty and love and commitment and gratitude. And if you notice there, Paul did not say, woe unto me if I preach not. He said, woe unto me if I preach not the Gospel. The calling and the commitment of a true servant of God is to preach the Gospel. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It's His calling to do so. And that's also His message. Christ crucified. What are you preaching on today, brother? Christ crucified. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's the sinner's only hope of salvation. If you don't hear that message, you'll be lost in your sin. If you don't bow to that message. If there ever was an example in the Scriptures of what a true messenger of God is and should be, it would be John the Baptist. Here in John chapter 1, verse 6, we read there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same man, John the Baptist, came for a witness, verse 7, to bear witness of the light, being Jesus Christ, that all men through Him might believe. So the first thing that we see from our text is that John, and every true messenger, is sent from God. They don't have anything to glory in. The disciples of John came to him one day and he said, Jesus is baptizing more people than we are. He's putting us out of business. And John said, He must increase. I must decrease. Oh, it's a gift for a preacher to be able to get out of the way and preach Christ. John was sent from God to do what? God was sent from God to bear witness of the light. What is a witness? What does a witness do? Well, a witness is one who bears record of something. A witness is one who gives a report. I heard Brother Tim James say years ago in a message, we're just reporters. We report the good news. Not like CNN and some of the others. We report good news. The good news of the Gospel. We testify and give testimony to Jesus Christ, who He is and what He's done for sinners. 
A witness is one who sees something that supplies proof and evidence for or against the one who's in question. When you're called to testify and bear witness in a court of law, that's what you do. John the Baptist's one mission, his existence and sole purpose for existing was to bear witness to the light, Jesus Christ. It was his life. Verse 8 says that he was not the light. You'll notice the word light there is capitalized, capital L. We know who that is. That's Christ. He was sent to bear witness of that light. And that's what the phrase bear witness means, to be a witness, to testify, to bear record, to give evidence to a specific thing. Jesus Christ, the light. That's our message. Verse 9 tells us that Christ is the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. And I know that doesn't need explaining to most of you. That's not speaking of every man or woman in the world, but every man that is enlightened by the Lord, just as God loved the world, is not everyone in the world, but all sorts of men and women in the world from all nations, tongues, kindreds, and spirits. And this also refers to the light of nature, that natural inner conscience that Christ the Creator and light of men gives. The Scripture says, so that the invisible things of God from the creation of the world are clearly seen. How are they seen? Well, they're understand by the things that are made, Paul said in Romans chapter 1. By creation itself, even the external power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Yes, if a man, when a man in the day of judgment stands before God, they're not going to be able to say, Well, Lord, I never heard the gospel. So you can't condemn me based upon that. Oh, yes, he can. They're without excuse. They've seen the heavens that God made, the earth that God made. They've seen how God works all things together. When we look at the things the Lord has made with every man and woman as an understanding that He, Christ the Creator, is most deserving of our praise, honor, and glory. You can't look into the heavens and not believe within your own heart and conscience that a supreme, omnipotent, almighty God created the heavens and the earth. Anyone who does is just lying to themselves. I've heard many converted atheists write and say that during the day as they propagated against the God of the Bible and denied His existence and His power, only lay awake at night in their bed praying that that same God they denied did not and would not kill them. Roth Barnard was one of them. John's sole purpose in life was to point sinners to Christ. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, and this man John that God sent came to bear witness of Jesus Christ. That's what preaching is, and that's what preachers do. They bear witness. God's witnesses have a mission to preach Christ. The business of those who preach are to do just that. They're to preach Christ. 
Christ is our business. What business are you in? I'm in the Christ business. I'm about to do, I'm, I'm going about to do my Father's business. Isn't that what the Lord said? While they looked for him for a day and a half, they went back to Jerusalem. He's in the temple confounding the, the scholars and the scribes and the Pharisees, those who knew the most educated about the law of God. And his mother said, oh, Where have you been? Didn't you know that I must be about my father's business? Brother Mayhem once said, some men God gave to govern nations. Some do it well and some don't do it so well. But it's God who gave them. I have to remind myself that at election results. There are some men and women whom God has given to make laws and enforce those laws. There are some whom God has enabled to teach and to educate. There are some gifted to practice medicine. Brother Paul and I have been teasing a little about that. We say they're just practicing medicine. God enables some to farm, plant, and harvest food. There are houses to be built and there's wars to be fought and God's given folks gifts to carry out these necessities. But the business of those whom God has called to preach is not to educate children, build houses, or farm lands. And I understand that sometimes God calls a man to pastor a small group of believers and out of necessity, that man must work to help provide for his family. When some of the Gentile churches that Paul preached to couldn't and didn't financially support the apostle, he was a tent maker in order to help support himself. Paul did so out of necessity, not because he wanted more of the world, a bigger house, a designer sandals, or a new gold chariot. The one and only reason for the existence of a preacher in his office as a pastor is to preach Christ. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us, what? The word of reconciliation. That's what the Gospel is. It's the word of reconciliation. It's the only means by which God will reconcile you to Himself. By the foolishness of preaching, what the world calls foolishness. God sent the gospel to point men and women to their only hope of redemption, Jesus Christ, the light, capital L. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ because of this. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead be reconciled to God. That's what's done in preaching. We beseech sinners to be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. We urgently and fervently implore, entreat, petition, appeal to sinners to believe and trust in Him. As though God did beseech you by us, Paul wrote. Well, you're talking about an awesome responsibility. 
God is determined to speak to sinners by us. It pleased and it still pleases God through the sole means of preaching to save them that believe. Now, if you're going to believe in Christ, it's going to be through the preaching of, of man. And that's what God's Word says. The Lord said, He that hears you, hears me. He that despiseth you, despiseth me. Luke 10, 16. Since this is the means that God uses to save sinners, we must be about our Father's business. We don't get involved with the businesses of this world. Five years before... He died at 53 years old. Mr. Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon said, Brethren, I desire to be like John the Baptist. I desire for Jesus Christ to be my everything, just like He was to John. I desire that too. I pray that God will allow me to bear witness of Him and have my mind concentrated on Him and Him alone, on His sacrifice, on His life, on His death, on His resurrection, on His ascension, on Him coming again. You know He's coming again. I desire for Christ to be my everything. I know no salvation except by substitution, Mr. Spurgeon said, and I know no substitute but Jesus Christ. So our message must be concerning Him. That's what this book's all about. There's 39 books of the Old Testament and 27 books of the New Testament and all of them are about Jesus Christ. And they're about Him crucified. You've heard me and others say that the Old Testament says someone's coming. Someone's coming. Every type and picture points to Him. He's coming. There's one coming. The four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Say, someone's come. He's here. The one that was coming is now here. And then the epistles that Paul and Peter and James and John, along with the others, say, someone's coming again. Who is this someone? You know, this is speaking of the only one who can save sinners, the Lord Jesus Christ. How does He save sinners? By dying in their room instead and giving those sinners His perfect righteousness. No other way. And there's no other message. Moses, Job, David, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, to Him, Christ, give witness. Acts 10.43, to Him, give all the prophets Witness. They bear witness. They testify of Christ. They bear record of the Messiah who was coming. God created man, gave him one commandment, and man broke it in sin. And after that, God began to speak of a Redeemer, a Savior, a Messiah. God began to reveal His purpose of salvation. This would come to pass through a coming Messiah, a coming Redeemer. This would be His elect, His Christ, His Messiah, the kinsman Redeemer. All those point to Him. He's the prophet, the priest, and the king. Only Christ was all three of those. And ever since the fall of Adam, God through His prophets say, He is coming. 4,000 years, God said, He's coming. He's coming. 
He's coming to bring light out of darkness. He's coming to give to bring life out of deadness. He's coming to restore all that we lost in Adam and more. What did we lose? Well, we lost the way, the truth, and the life. But there's one coming who is the way, the truth, and the life. And He's come. And He's coming again. And God's very first promise that He made after the fall, He said, it's all in the seed of the woman. He's the one who's coming. Someone once said that the Bible tailors a garment that will fit only one man. I bought a hat the other day for the sun and uh, it said one size fits all. Not the, not the Savior. There's one garment that fits only Him. One man will fit every prophecy, every picture, every type. Only one man can. The Lord Jesus Christ. God said He'll be born of a woman. Not just of any woman, but of a virgin. He'll bruise the serpent's head. Isaiah bore witness to what God said. He said, The Lord Himself will give you a sign. A virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government, God's government, will be upon His shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Only He can give peace. He's the Prince of Peace. This man will be Abraham's seed. He'll be the seed of Abraham. He'll be of the tribe of Judah. Christ was all those things. Oh, this garment only fits Him. The scepter that shall not depart from Judah until Shiloh comes. He'll be of the root of Jesse, the family, the chain of Jesse. He'll be of the house of David. Christ was all these things. Christ is the root of the believer's family tree. This man will be born in Bethlehem of Judea. And it's all about him who is coming. He'll be a prophet like Moses. That's what Moses said. He'll be a prophet like unto me. Him shall you hear. He'll be a priest like Melchizedek, one who offers the sacrifice. The high priest will not only, this high priest, the Lord Jesus, will not only offer the sacrifice, friends, this high priest will be the sacrifice. As God will provide for himself the sacrifice, as God, he will himself be the sacrifice. He'll be a king like David. A man after God's own heart. Christ came from the heart of God. It was out of love for His people. It was for the glory of His own great name. But it was for the sake of the One who possessed His heart. That being the Lord Jesus Christ who came into the world to do what? Save sinners. There'd never been a prophet, priest, and king all in one, as I said a moment ago. And this is the one who was coming. That's the one who came. The blood upon the doorpost in Egypt was called the Passover. Paul wrote, Christ is our Passover. Sacrifice for us, 1 Corinthians 5, 7. That rock in the wilderness that brought forth water. That rock is Christ. It was smitten and gave forth water. Christ was smitten on the cross and outpoured rivers of living water. 
As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, that serpent of brass, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. If you and I are to ever be saved, He's going to have to be lifted up and enable us in the day of His power to believe in Him. Christ was the manna that fell in the wilderness, the bread from heaven. The Lord told the Jews, Moses gave you that bread, and you they had to gather it every day just enough for that day to live. But the Lord said, I am the true bread from heaven. I'm the living bread. And he that eats of this bread will never hunger again. Have you eaten the living bread? Moses wrote of him. Abraham was glad to see his day. Are you? All the Old Testament saints looked to Him who was coming. They died in faith. Scripture says, not having received the promise. In other words, they didn't see His coming. But they believed that He would. And like Abraham, it was counted unto them for righteousness. I've had folks ask me, it's a good question really. How were the Old Testament saints saved? If Christ is the only way a sinner can be saved, how were they saved since Christ hadn't already come? They saw who was coming in these pictures and types. They saw that Redeemer, that seed of the woman whom God was going to send. And they died in faith believing. This one who was coming would satisfy all of God's law, His justice and honor by His obedience. When Abel sacrificed the lamb, you know what he was saying? He was saying, there's one who's coming. I'm looking to him and I'm putting my trust in his shed blood. This is him. This is, this is, he represents, this lamb represents the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of his people in the world. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all of them said, from different Aspects from you know from different positions as they saw it, but they everyone said that that someone has come. And John the Baptist, the last of the Old Testament prophets, pointed to Christ. You remember what he said? Behold, the Lamb of God. There he is. That's what I'm endeavoring to do right now. I'm I'm trying to point you to him. John said, I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it abode on Him. God the Father from heaven said, this is My beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. When John, who was a mere man, was thrown into prison, he began to have his doubts. He's just a man. <clears throat> he said to His disciples, to Christ to ask, are you He that should come? Or should we look for another? And you remember what the Lord told His disciples? He said, you go tell John. You go tell him what you've seen. You go tell him what you've heard. <laughs> tell him that the blind see. Tell him that the lame walk. Tell him that lepers are cleansed. Tell him that the deaf hear. Tell him that the dead are raised. Tell him that the poor have the Gospel preached to them. Friends, preachers are just men. 
It takes the same grace and faith to save a preacher as it does any other sinner. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one who came and we must all believe and trust in Him. An angel came to Mary. She said, you're going to have a son. And she said, well, I don't, I don't know a man. Never been with a man. How am I going to have a son? The angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of God will overshadow you. That holy thing born of you shall be called the Son of God. He is the one that is to come. The same angel went to Joseph. And he said, don't be afraid to marry the woman Mary. She is with a child of the Holy Ghost. And you shall call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. Dear sinner, the one who was to come was God. And He's the very, uh, with every elect child of God, He's with us. The angels told the shepherds, Go to Bethlehem, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior that is Christ the Lord. That's the one who is to come. And He's come. And He lived to always be about His Father's business. Well, the wind stopped at his command. The fish brought him money to pay his taxes. He multiplied bread and fish and fed 5,000 plus, and there was more left over than what they began with. Only God can do that. This is Emmanuel. God with us. He's the one who was to come. And He is with us. And it's a faithful saying. And it's worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners like you and I. That's why we call it the Gospel. It's good news. Oh, Simeon. He held that baby in his arms that day in the temple. And he blessed God, the Scripture says, saying, Mine eyes have seen thy salvation. I'm looking at God's salvation right here. He's come. The one whom the prophets witnessed and bore, bore testimony of. He's come. Here He is. I'm holding Him in my arms. Now let me depart. <laughs> I've seen your salvation. Thomas once doubted, but he didn't doubt for long. Let him answer your doubting mind for you. My Lord and my God. Does this describe your Savior? Is He your Lord and your God? The Samaritan woman at the well, bless her heart, when the Lord was, she said, when the Messiah shall come, He'll tell us all things. And the Lord looked at her and He said, I that speak to you am He. He's come. And I'm Him. If you believe not that Christ is He, you will die in your sins. But if you believe in Christ, you shall not die in your sins. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. Well, that's just a little too simple. No, it's not. No. Matter of fact, it's impossible unless God reveal it to you. The prophets told us one was coming. The four Gospels tell us that He came. And the epistles tell us that He's coming again. And when He shall appear, then we shall be like Him. Those that 
love and trust and depend upon Him for their salvation, they shall be like Him, for they shall see Him as He is. And this is our hope. Every man and woman that hath this hope in them, the one who's coming again, purifieth himself even as he, Christ, is pure. Now what does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean that we can purify or cleanse ourselves. We can't. We can't cleanse ourselves from sin. That's accomplished only by the grace of God and the blood of Christ. But by God's grace and through Christ's blood, none of us would be saved. We're clothed, we're covered with His perfect robe of righteousness. And we'll stand without fault before the throne of God. We are purified, made perfect, made pure by the hope that is found in Christ. No other way. Christ in you is what? The hope of glory. Your only hope of glory, my only hope of glory, is that Christ be in you. And I am so thankful that He's coming again. Christ came the first time as a lamb. He's coming the second time as a lion. Christ came the first time as a servant. The second time He's coming as a king. I don't know when Christ is coming. Only a fool would try to do that. One of the last times I visited Brother Mayhem at his home there in Rocky Mount, he told me about <clears throat> preaching in a message or preaching in a meeting in California in the 1950s with a man named Harold Camping who had predicted the day of the coming of Christ. He, he did on several occasions. He didn't get it right the first time. He didn't get it right the second time. And then I think he tried one more time and that failed too. And uh, matter of fact, during the time that I was there in Rocky Mount visiting Henry, Harold Camping had billboards all over the country. We saw some right there in Rocky Mount uh, that predicted Christ coming again. And Henry said during that meeting there in the 50s, many people asked him what he thought of Mr. Camping's prediction. And not wanting to stir up any conflict or avoid argument. You know what Brother Henry said? He said, I hope that he's right. What a wise answer. He did hope he was right. You know what? Every time someone makes a prediction about when Christ is coming, I hope that they're right. But the Lord said that they wouldn't be. Our Lord said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Only God knows. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For in the days, for as in the days that were before the flood, They were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. It was much then like it is now. Business as usual. Christ is coming again. Let's eat, drink, and be merry. 
And they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And this is why we preach the gospel. And this is why it's so urgent. The Lord Jesus is coming again. And he and she that has the Son shall have life and be saved. And he or she that doesn't will not be. So here's the question of all questions. And it was the Lord that asked it. He said, who do men say that I am? He still asks this question through his preachers. Who do you say Christ is? I'm asking you. Who do you say Jesus Christ is? Was he just a great man? Was he just a prophet? Or was he God in the flesh? Here's another question the Lord asked. What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? Nathaniel said, Rabbi, thou art the son of God. Thou art the king of Israel. Peter said, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words to eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ of whom the Old Testament said was coming. The son of the living God. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. Paul said, Christ is all in and all. And the saints of God will in the end say, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. So I ask you this morning, what do you say? One day in heaven and earth, and under the earth, and that means hell. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Yes, sir. And that's my message to you. Preachers say, why don't you make Jesus your Lord? That's not the question. He's already your Lord. God beat you to it. He's every man's Lord, whether they know it or not. Some bow to Him and trust Him now. Some will when it's too late. He's the Lord of the dead and the living, the Scripture says. To those of you who are without Christ, hear me. The question is not, will you make Him Lord? The question is, when you'll bow to Him as Lord. You'll bow to Him one way or the other. Either now or in hell. Because every knee is going to bow. Amen. And every tongue is going to confess what Christ already is. He is Lord. I close with these words. The Word is nigh thee even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the Word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. He's the one who is coming. He's the one who came. He's the one who's coming again. And if you shall confess with your mouth that that same Jesus whom you crucified is Lord, and shall believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, 
Listen to this. Thou shalt be saved. No doubt about it. <laughs> no doubt about it. May God be pleased to make it so for Christ's sake. Our good and God's glory.